You are now about to enter. Now, now, now about to enter. Victoria Snowwell's Positively Podcast. Entered. Entered. Now. Featuring world-renowned dog trainer and host of Animal Planets, it's me or the dog, Victoria Stillwell. Now, here's Victoria Stillwell and her co-host, Holly Furfer. Here we are, another episode of Victoria Stillwell's Positively.com slash podcasts. I'm Holly Furfer. Welcome back, Victoria. Thank you. You're back in town for Evaluation Day. Yeah. Um, briefly, because I know we're going to get into that because I want to know more about it, but what is Evaluation Day? Evaluation Day is when trainers from all over the country come here to Atlanta um, to basically, for me, to evaluate if they're the right kind of trainers to join my VSPDT program. Okay, well, hold that thought because we're going to talk about it. But really pressing, you are back from New York where you're filming season three of It's Me or the Dog. And we mentioned it in our last episode. And you teased us a little about the pig. The piggy. I trained my first pig. Oh, <laughs> and he's so beautiful. He's seven weeks old. Oh, wow. Male pig called Mud. And he's a mini pig. So he's, is it is it like a pot belly pig or what what kind is it like a Yeah, he's a little well he's yes, he's like a miniature pot bellied pig. And he um comes from Texas. Mm -hmm. He's only gonna grow to about twenty pounds. Wow. But at the moment he was gosh, he was probably a couple of pounds. Oh and the cutest, sweetest little thing. Um and with pigs, you know, if you want to take them out, they're gonna have to wear harnesses. Mm -hmm. So you can't really put a collar around a pig's neck. Well, you could, but it's much safer for them to have a harness. So we were teaching Mud, I was teaching Mud the pig how to accept a harness, how to walk on a leash, how not to squeal and scream when he gets picked up, how to touch a target stick, how to go to a person when they called him, wow. how to sit, how to, I mean, basically anything that you can train a dog, you can train a pig. And there's a seven-week-old pig learns all of this. It was amazing. Well, and I've, I've read that pigs are really intelligent, actually one of the smartest animals. They are smart, and people don't give them a lot of credit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you've actually worked with a pig, <laughs> yeah, which is so bizarre, when you work with a pig, you, you can see it. Bam! And of course, they are the most food-motivated animals on the planet. <laughs> That's easy. They're going to do anything for a piece of apple. So when they first approached you and said, we want you to train a pig, I mean, this is not something you do all the time. You said it was your first pig. So what was your first reaction? Like, are you bloody kidding me? Well, no, I was excited. Really? Anything that veers off the norm, of course. Yeah, you know, and I love the whole fact of um, cross-species training. Mm -hmm. Because positive reinforcement can be is a great method to train any kind of animal. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, for me to be able to use those methods to train a pig, and also in the same episode, we saw how to train chi chickens as well. You train? No way. Using clicker training. Chickens? Yes. Chickens as well. See, now I would have thought their brains aren't that big to retain that. Kind well, of they're big enough to be able to learn some techniques um, wow. and certainly to peck a target stick and to follow a target stick and to because again they're food motivated they're mm -hmm. motivated by their corn that they eat and so yeah you can train chickens to do a lot of things I wow mean, it, it really was it was a great episode we were with a great family mm -hmm. they're called um matt and melissa mm -hmm. and they live out in long island 
And really, you have to see this couple to believe them. Wow. They were extremely entertaining. And Matt himself, he was one of the first white rappers in the 1990s. He was called Kid Panic. No. And um, he's an entrepreneur now, but he, he still does music. Uh-huh. So I made a deal with him. And okay. the deal was, if if I if I trained his dogs, mm-hmm. and, and if he worked with the training, and he worked alongside me, I would do a rap. Music with him? video for him, yeah. You did a music, video, well, a rap. Music? Yeah, I did a rap. We did. We recorded a rap song, which you'll oh obviously see on the show. So you'll see me rapping. Victoria still can rap. I like it. Well, you know, you can sing. I can sing. Yeah, you can sing because actually, my husband Sean saw a video of you. I think Van, your husband, showed him or something. He heard a tape. Was it a tape? And he's like, I cannot believe her pipes. Like that, why are you training dogs? You should be on Broadway and singing at the Philharmonic. Well, that's very kind of him. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> and now you do rap. Can you be my agent? I yeah, love now it. rap's very, very different, obviously. Right? It's a different thing, but I'm. Um, Got all gangsta. Yeah, I did. I did. Peace <laughs> out. Um, but it was fun. It was fun. So you're going to have to watch the episode to see how I do. Definitely will. Can't wait for this one. I'd like to know what I'm dealing with here. You don't want to know. I'm very confused. I don't know. When it comes to humans, fingerprints play a major role in identification. Did you know that a dog's nose prints are as unique as a human's fingerprint? These can also act as a substantial proof for identification. You're back with VictoriaStillwellsPositively.com slash podcasts. And a lot of people have been commenting on the podcasts. And we'll, we want to hear it, good or bad. Tell us suggestions, anything you want. And uh, that email is podcast at positively.com. But Amanda Zane uh, wrote you a note here saying, Victoria, I just want you to know that you've totally been inspiring me lately. I just registered to start my education as a dog trainer. It's something I've always loved. And watching you totally gave me the extra confidence I needed to do it, which is really cool. You're inspiring people. And you do have a program. Uh, tell us about the, the training program that you have for people like Amanda or somebody who thinks, I can do this and I want to do this. Well, my my program is not for people who want to learn how to become a dog trainer. And there are some great programs for people who do. My program is putting together a network, a global network of positive reinforcement dog trainers. When Before I came on the scene with the program with you, Holly, how hard or easy was it for you to find a trainer that you that you trusted extremely difficult that's why we had so many problems i didn't know where to turn it's a problem that a lot of people have because the training world is not regulated anybody can set themselves up and say that they're a dog trainer even if they haven't had any kind of experience whatsoever so i wanted to create a program where i would have the best dog trainers training under one umbrella under the positively brand so that people can go to my website if they need a dog trainer they can click on trainers in their area and call that person and that person has been personally evaluated and assessed by me so you know that you're getting somebody who does the same techniques that I do on my show and we launched this program about six months ago we now have about 25 trainers around the United States some in Greece um, in England and in Italy and it's growing all the time and we want to grow it slowly because for me, I don't want to take on just anybody. I mm-hmm. want to take on people who are really, really good. So growing it slowly is more important to me than just having any kind of trainer apply and saying yes. 
Well, it's good to know. I had no idea that there was no regulation, so you don't really know who you're getting. I mean, you wouldn't just go to someone who says, I'm a doctor and let me do surgery on you. I mean, exactly. And that's the problem that people are having. And then trainers are turning up to people's houses, making the situation worse. And then if you've got a dominance trainer that uses dominance theory and punishment with your dog, the amount of times that I've heard um, people say, my dog is much worse, um, the trainer ruined my dog, or he didn't help me, or she didn't help me. And so with my trainers, you know that you're getting good people. Uh, Micaela Lopez had emailed us. Um, she's from San Jose. She wanted to know how she get you to come train her dog. Well, obviously you can't. You don't even have a spare minute to to sleep, but this is something that she could do. Go on the website, uh, Positively.com. Click on that dog training and find, you know, pull that menu down and you can see find one information about it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if there isn't a trainer in your area yet, there will be because we have hundreds and hundreds of applications. It's trying to process those applications and get to see those people for evaluation day. Um, and it, it, the process can be quite long and time consuming, but we want to make sure we have the best of the best. Now, for dog trainers out there who are listening and want to be a part of your network, what do they need to do? Is there information also on that dog training pull-down menu where they can find out where there's evaluations going on in their area? Yes, they can. If they if 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 they go onto my um, website positively dot com, they'll be able to find um, all the information they need, the application form on how to be a positively trainer. That's fantastic. Okay, so again, it's Positively.com. On that homepage, click on dog training, and you'll see a whole menu where you can find a dog trainer, get information about it. And if you have any questions, you can also find the icon that says Ask Victoria, and you can send her a question uh, or any kind of concern or anything that you want her to answer, whether you're somebody looking for a dog trainer or an actual dog trainer themselves. In answer to Michaela's question, um, there's a great trainer, Daphne Robert Hamilton. She's in Morgan Hill, so that's pretty near you in San Jose oh. um, and if you want to get in contact with her if you email daphne.roberthamilton at positively.com you'll be able to um, connect with her and hopefully she can help you. Fantastic. Any questions? I had a question I wanted to ask. Um, Just ask the question. You're listening to victoriastillwellspositively.com slash Podcasts. I'm Holly Furfer, and we love questions. We love when people email us comments, good or bad. We can take it. Thick skin, right? Uh, you can send comments to podcast at positively.com and or questions uh, regarding anything like Kendra Hosseini did. Kendra lives in Laguna Niguel, California, which is a place I wish I was right now. But she says, I love your podcast. I've also worked as a positive trainer for 15 years, and I'm very curious as to who your major influences are. And then what are your favorite books for dog training? I think that's, you know, kind of interesting because, you know, there are so many dog trainers that we have not heard of, that we do not know. We just know it works. And when you got interested in this, in this industry and in this area, you obviously had some people you looked at. Who who were your influences? There are a number of influences on me. One of them was really the godmother of positive training. Her name is Karen Pryor. And um, she was actually a... She was the one that sort of invented clicker training, as it were. Hmm. Um, she used to work with marine animals. And um, 
with dolphins and you know she's she's worked cross species so she really married science with learning and um I actually got the chance to meet her a couple of weeks ago oh, at wow. the AVMA conference so I was really pleased and she came over for dinner um, and it's fantastic to meet these people whose books I've read. She's mm -hmm. written a, a great book called Don't Shoot the Dog. Um, and it's all about you know positive training. Um, and the other person or the other people that have influenced me, Dr. Ian Dunbar, again, he's he's Scottish or British, but he lives in Berkeley, California. Um, and again, he's I would say he's the grandfather of positive training. Mm -hmm. um, then there's Dr. Patricia McConnell, who has written some amazing books. Um, the Other End of the Leash is one of them. And she, again, has just done so many fascinating studies with animals, mm -hmm. again, cross species, but her passion is with dogs. I haven't met her yet, but I'm looking forward to meeting her. Then I would say another a veterinarian, Dr. Nicholas Dodman, has written some fantastic books about dog behavior, uh, he's more of the medical side, but all of these people have shaped who I am today. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would definitely tell anybody to go read their books, to find out who these trainers are, because you're going to learn so much about how your animal thinks, feels about how to train her. And of course, hey, don't forget my book. I was just going to say, you've written a book as well. And tell us about your book. Yeah, well, my book um, is It's Me or the Dog, How mm -hmm. to Have the Perfect Pet. And and it literally is an introduction to training. It's everything you really need to know about sort of introductory training and dealing with a few behavior problems. And it's an easy read. It's a fun read. Mm -hmm. There's great pictures as well that, that, that illustrate what I'm talking about. And so, yeah, if you don't want to buy any of those books, go buy my book. Obviously, this is my podcast. I should be selling my book first. The the other people, all of these, um, Patricia McConnell, Ian Dunbar, Karen Pryor, Dr. Nicholas Dodman, they're all expert bloggers on my site. Oh, great. If you want to find out about them, read their blogs. Okay. Because because these are amazing people at the, the forefront of the positive training movement. You're going to learn so much from them. And I know that um, you have a whole question area where people will email questions into you, dog questions, and obviously you can't answer them all, but you've enlisted all of your trainers to answer some questions too, so you can actually learn from these positive training yeah. teachers as well. Yeah, you can, and you can go on the forums as well. There's a lot of very knowledgeable people on my forums that um, if you do have a question, they'll yeah. be able to, yeah, that's exactly what you're talking about, isn't it? Well, so, that, the reason I say that is because I have a dog who started barking. Barnsley did a lot of barking, and I went on there and thought, hmm, I wonder if Victoria has anything on her site, and I probably found 150 threads right. with different barking issues, and let me tell you, they help so much. Yeah, I, I, and I think knowledge is power, and that's why, you know, uh, my site... I'm very proud of my site because you can. You can get so much information about training and so much help just from going to that site. Any questions? I had a question I wanted to ask. Um, just ask the question. This is VictoriaStillwellsPositively.com slash podcast. I'm Holly Furfer, and I know a lot of people have questions for you, and we get to pin you down because you're so busy with our Ask Victoria segment here. I've got a ton of questions. So let's see how many we can get through today. Uh, first question I have is um, from Anne McGuinness from Fife, Scotland in the UK. Do you know where Fife is? Yes, I do. Beautiful. Well, Anne wants to know about her 18-month-old dog. He has a food aggression. He bit me when he was five months old whilst being hand-fed 
advised to do this. She puts in parentheses. Mm. Our second behaviorist tried to claim his food. The footage of this is quite shocking, and he was diagnosed with rage syndrome. And then she puts in parentheses, believe it or not, euthanasia advised. There is certainly a problem with him, but think the diagnosis is wrong. Any advice would be gratefully appreciated. That's a little disturbing. That's a little disturbing. And rage syndrome, A, rage syndrome is very, very, very rare. And to label food aggression as rage syndrome? That seems to me like it would be common for many dogs. I know my dog actually had, um, it was guarding his food. He was doing the same thing with it, with the food aggression. Yeah, very, very. And, and the worst thing you can do, so she said she had a behaviorist in. Is that a trainer or yeah. somebody just calling them a behavior, calling themselves a behaviorist? Is that she a veteran behaviorist? A behaviorist, so, but it may have oh. been a trainer because she said the first one told her to hand feed. First, let's start with that. Is it ever smart to hand feed an animal? Uh, well, it is in certain circumstances, but if your dog is going to be aggressive of hand feeding too, no, that's not a good idea. Secondly, you don't, claim the food you don't take charge of the food you show the dog that you're not a threat resource guarding is all about a dog that's worried about its loss of comfort or loss of good feelings you're going to take that away loss of a resource such as its food bowl or its bone or its chew and you have to basically show your dog i'm not a threat what i like to do is i like to do the empty bowl method whereby um, when I feed a dog, obviously mm -hmm. you put the food in the bowl and you put the bowl on the ground and then the dog eats it. With food, with dogs that like to guard their food bowls, their resource guarders, they become very, very tense when that food bowl goes down on the ground because they have to guard it from you. And if you're anywhere near, you can see that tension in your dogs. So what I do is I just, I get the food bowl and I put it on the ground, but it's empty. Mm-hmm. And then the dog looks at the food bowl and goes, where's my food? And looks at me. And when the dog looks at me, I go, okay, good boy. And I go and I throw a little bit of food into his food bowl. And then he eats it. And then it's gone. And then he looks at me again. And I keep doing this until he's eaten all of his kibble. And if it's a bit of wet food, I do that as well. But for, for resource guarders, they're more likely to guard wet food and meats more than they are kibble. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a resource guarder, always use a low-value kibble when you're starting to do this training. And then the dog begins to look to me for its food. I am part of the feeding process. So instead of being the one that takes the food away, I'm actually providing it. But I'm not hand-feeding because there are some dogs that can't stand that closeness of you actually giving food from your hand. Mm -hmm. And that's why she got bitten. Every case is different. But the general premise is that you show your dog you're no threat. And then they don't think the food comes from the bowl. They realize it comes from you. It comes from you. You're your provider. You're the provider of the food. So, And if they look at you and give you eye contact and they're calm about it, they get more food from you. And so if you adopt this non-confrontational approach, your dog will soon learn not to fear. Okay, and hopefully that'll help. Uh, I wanted to read Elizabeth Puckett's email to you from Stone Mountain, Georgia. And it's actually a thank you. She says, thank you for the training, especially the command, leave it, drop it, and bring it to me. My cat has learned these three commands very well, and I wanted to thank you. And earlier we <laughs> talked about the pig that you trained. And, you know, a lot of people say, say who would have thunk a cat could be trained like a dog? 
Yeah, you know, they can. How lovely. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that she used these techniques for her cats. I have cats, and i got to tell you, they are smart, and I'm just a little tangential here. When my cat was a kitten, I actually taught him how to turn the lights on and off. I would tap the light, and he would go up and jump and hit it on and hit it off. And it was just training because I was bored and he was bored. I was living in Detroit. I had nothing else to do until 2 o'clock in the morning when you're a single 20-something-year-old girl living in Detroit and the lights go on at 3 in the morning. You think, maybe this is not a good idea. So for the next 10 years, I had duct tape over every light switch. And imagine me explaining that to people. But... Our next question is from Kayla Hernandez in Miami, Florida, and she wants to know how she can get her dog to go on the pee pad. Well, I assume is her dog a puppy, or is it, does she say, an adult dog or a puppy? She doesn't say, but I will tell you this. I have a friend who's got two small dogs, and she's really never trained them to go outside. She's always trained them to go on a pee pad. She lives in a house, not in an apartment. So I think some people actually just train their dogs to go on pee pads. Yeah. I think it's very expensive and it's kind of messy, but I guess some people do it. Not right great for the environment. No. Anyway, um, I would say that first, if you're having problems, then when your dog's unsupervised, it's got to be kept in a room. And what you do is or a puppy-proof room, or if it's a smaller dog, you can have it in a kind of X-pen. And you line the whole area with pee pads, the whole area. Mm-hmm. Then every couple of days, you take a couple of pee pads away. And that's basically that that makes the the area, the pee pad area, smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. But when you do that, when you slowly take pads away every couple of days, it kind of guides the dog into going into a smaller area of pee pads. Am I making sense? Yep, absolutely. Okay. I, I, yeah, what? yeah. It was on Regis as well. Um, we did. I did a little demonstration when I was on Regis. So. Uh, that that's but you know what if you can get your dogs to go outside get them to go outside so much better than on the pee pad in your home and if you want to see that uh, clip from victoria on live with regis and kelly it's um on our previous episode episode 106 i believe you can see the actual clip we have it linked there okay another um i love this email it's from carrie fence Fenske, I think. I hope I pronounced that right. From Apple Valley, Minnesota. And she says, Victoria, my daughter Aubrey is a huge fan of yours. She will be eight on on August 21st. She was born with a genetic disorder and has spent much of her time in the hospital. But her love for dogs and animals is unbelievable. I just bought her a dog to hopefully train to be a therapy dog for her. Her only birthday wish is for you to email her something. Please fulfill her birthday wish. Thanks, Carrie. I love that. You bet I will. And you know that... It's so wonderful when I receive letters like that and requests like that and um, a lot from children who are sick in hospital and they're watching me. And, um, you know, that there's there's no better audience um, and there's no better validation for what I'm doing when I can make certainly children happy by, by watching the program. So, yes, I will email you. You bet. And that will be coming to you very, very shortly. That's fantastic. Happy birthday. And um, it really is amazing to me. Dogs especially are so good with healing, especially children who are sick. And, and even the elderly. I had a yellow lab who was had the AKC good register seal of a, you know, basically good he citizens. could be, uh-huh. yeah, that was it, where he could go. And I used to take him to nursing homes. And it's amazing just the smile it puts on people's faces. Yeah. And they've done studies saying that dogs help you live longer. They help you yes. They reduce your blood pressure um, and brings out feelings of pleasure and um, 
pleasurable endorphins are released into the brain when you're stroking a dog. So yeah, you know, if, if you, get, you get a dog for your health, your health is going to improve. And it kind of leads to um, this question from Elliot in Mesa, Arizona. It's an odd question, um, but uh, I'll read it anyway because we love any question. It says, I had a severe foot injury back in 2001. I had several deep lacerations caused by a boat propeller. This almost led to the amputation of my foot. The outlook was bleak, but doctors were able to save my foot after a series of surgeries. After more than a year of recovery, I was able to walk again. However, I've lost most movement in my toes and have limited dorsal flexion. Flexion. Many of the bones have fused together, and to this day there are several screws in place. Blood circulation in the foot is not as good, and I have a lot of scar tissue. Now to the question. Whenever I'm around dogs, they always come up to me and start sniffing my injured foot, and they're always persistent, and it's been happening ever since the injury. It actually can be a bit embarrassing. Is there something I should be worried about? No, you know, um, that doesn't surprise me. Dogs know when something, when you've hurt yourself, mm-hmm. they automatically um, will go to that area and start licking it to um, make it better. And I think, you know, damaged skin smells different um, and that's why the dogs can smell it there's something wrong there it might also look a little different as well dogs are very curious animals so I think that combination of look and maybe different smell that's the reason why dogs seem to be so attracted to it it's amazing how intuitive they are and I know that there's been many stories done about dogs sniffing out cancer in people and it's just remarkable I know there's a lot of studies underway but they really have an insight to the human nature. I know that there was one time I had the flu and I woke up and my dog was standing over me, just standing over, keeping vigil. Now, I personally think he was thinking, don't die because who's going to feed me? <laughs> but I would like to think, but maybe perhaps he was saying, what can I do to help you? And I'm watching you to make sure everything's okay. Because I do think that if it was a serious problem, that he might have gone to get help. You know, I, I believe it. I really believe it. These dogs, their senses are immeasurably superior to us in, in ways that we don't even really know yet. And I think that's something we can pursue in um, in future podcasts where we can talk about cancer-sniffing dogs and dogs that can detect um, if a person's going to have a seizure. I think there is a, a lot of amazing information about that. Good. I look forward to that. If you have a question for Victoria and you want us to address it here on the podcast, on the Positively.com homepage, you'll see the button that says Ask Victoria. Just click on it, type in your email, and hopefully we can help you out. Have you ever seen this before? No. I mean, yes, I've seen it before, but it's not mine. And it's time for our final segment on VictoriaStillwellsPositively.com slash podcasts. And, of course, it's the YouTube clip segment, which we love. And we always show you great, funny, interesting clips with animals, mostly dogs. But we wanted to do something a little different because we're about everything. And this is an amazing music video, I guess you could say. Elio Pace. It's it's remarkable. Explain who he is and, and just what he does. Elio Pace, he's the guy who, who's written the title music. Actually, the title music's from a song from his new album. But he is a very good friend of ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a musician, a pianist who works in Britain. Um, and he's been the pianist for a number of artists and traveled the world doing his music. But uh, what he he's now the sort of 
the the musical director for Weekend Wogan, which is the BBC Two radio show that's on Sundays mm-hmm. in Britain at eleven o'clock a.m. until one o'clock p.m. Um, and he also used to tour with a an amazing man called Albert Lee, who Eric Clapton called the best guitar player in the world. That's amazing. That yeah. is something right there. Isn't that an endorsement? Mm-hmm. So I want everyone to watch Elio and Albert Lee mm-hmm. on Weekend Wogan play Country Boy at Heart. You have never seen anything like it. Elio's piano is brilliant. Just Yeah. I don't know how he does it. I don't. His fingers move so fast. <laughs> it almost looks like the film's been, speed, been sped up. Yeah. And Albert Lee, again, on the guitar, well, he's, he's, he's a rock star. He's amazing. It almost looks like if Albert Einstein played guitar, he's just that good. Yeah. And, and so I, I really want people, you've you got you to gotta watch this YouTube clip. All right, we'll leave it on the website. And by the way, uh, anytime you want to look at any of the past episodes, it's positively.com slash podcasts. All the episodes are streaming there. And uh, if you want to send us a comment, uh, suggestion, podcast at positively.com. And don't forget to follow Victoria on Facebook. It's Victoria Stillwell, her name. And on Twitter, it's me or the dog. Until next time, we'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. Check out more information about this podcast by visiting Positively.com slash podcasts. The theme song for the Positively Podcast, Addicted to the Phone, by Elio Pace, is available on iTunes or at eliopace.com. <laughs>